Hello, welcome to another yet new episode as we change names this week. <laughs> uh, we're making transi- transitions here at Park Baptist Church. New podcast called A Sermon for His People. A Sermon for His People with John Whitaker and Pastor Dave Keene. There we go. Boom. And we are currently starting this rebranding at the end of Acts. <laughs> yes. Uh, part of the reason, guys, is we're going to restart our pastor as people interviewing members of the church. So uh, this is a sermon for his people. We're going to do a little sermon application, uh, thinking about the sermon, trying to go a little deeper to help us uh, take the word of God and apply it deeper to our hearts. So so a pastor and his people originally wasn't sermon review. It was interview. Yeah, members. it was interviews. And then, um, you know, we, we I think at the end of Ecclesiastes a few years back, I said, well, why don't we just maybe do some reviews, help the word of God go a little deeper into our hearts. Uh, we started doing sermon reviews, and we kind of fell off on the um, interviews, but I think both are necessary, so we're probably going to start restart those, so be on the lookout for pastoring people, uh, revisited, <laughs> uh, and then you'll know this, this, this conversation will be titled, A Sermon for His People, so that you can reflect on the word that was preached uh, the previous Sunday. So, in this week on... A sermon in the people. I'll get used to saying that. Yep. We are in Acts 25 and 26. Yep. But we have missed the last couple weeks because of sickness, sickness transition, yep. stuff like that, moving around. Uh, what's been going on? There seems to be long narratives we're going through right now. Yeah, it's, it's really from 22 all the way to 26 is really one story. It's the story of, you know, Paul. Is He, he finally makes to Jerusalem, uh, meets with the elders there, James and the fellow elders, and say, hey, James, there's people talking about you, uh, and we are concerned with what they're saying. They're Paul. saying, well, Paul, say, Paul, you're not living out um, your Jewish heritage. People are mm-hmm. saying that you have forsaken Moses and the traditions of our forefathers. So he goes through the purification rites. So no, I'm actually still living as a good Jew, mm-hmm. because a good Jew is going to believe in the coming of the Messiah, is going to believe in the resurrection from the dead, is going to live accordingly. Um, so, so the seventh day of his purification rites, uh, Paul was arrested because people assumed that, um, he had brought Trophimus into the temple to defile the temple. Uh, so he's brought before uh, Claudius, uh, the, the tribunal, um, they, the Sanhedrin wants to beat him up. Mm-hmm. They start beating him up. They, the Roman, um, government kind of stops him and, um, eventually, you know, pulls him aside and says, Hey, you know, about to flog him for trying to figure out what was really going on. And they said, well, Hey, Arch, but you shouldn't flog a Roman citizen. Oh, you're a Roman citizen. Sounds good. So we're not going to flog you. Uh, we're actually going to, you know, keep uh, you in prison for keep, a long time. Keep you in prison for a long time. <laughs> so he was he was brought before uh, Felix and, and had many conversations with Felix about about uh, self control and righteousness and the coming judgment. Paul continued to hammer that home all throughout this whole entire uh, trial. Paul keeps on saying the same thing: I am on trial because of the resurrection from the dead. Right. So the the Jews. There was kind of two groups. There was the uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Uh, the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection from the dead, which is interesting because the Sadducees really only held to the five books of Moses. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even the Lord Jesus would say that you could see the resurrection clearly in the right. five, in the first five books of of Moses, the Torah. Um, He's the God, books of God of the living of the dead. Yeah, yeah, which which I kind of try, try to draw a little bit in the sermon. Mm. Um, uh, so then you know Paul's left in prison. Uh, Festus kind of comes, and then Festus brings the sermon we looked at this past week. Uh, Paul appeals to, to, to go to Rome uh, graciously, because if he didn't, he would have been killed on his way back to, right. down to Jerusalem. Uh, so then he's brought before uh, King Agrippa, 
and, and Bernice. So, yeah, so the whole time, Paul is just defending himself, defending his, his salvation by grace alone through faith in, in Christ. Mm-hmm. So, um, as a Jew, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he says it several times as, as we kind of walk through the text this week, where he says, look, I'm just believing what our forefathers believed, mm-hmm. what Moses and the prophets spoke about, that the Messiah, the Christ, must suffer on the third day rise. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, Jesus says that three times um, in, in Luke's gospel, and then, you know, of course, um, uh, Paul is trying to draw it out here. Mm-hmm. So, so it kind of really starts back in Acts 22. That was a great recap there yeah. of, you know, those, those chapters. Is there anything maybe since we did miss the last couple of weeks, what is Luke trying to, is there any applications for us to draw out of this narrative as we follow Paul along? I mean, that because is that something that we can just hit in this sermon? Because it seems like even in this sermon, it's Luke repeating himself once again. Yeah, so you, you understand, like, you know, you, you see this before, like, people get to the Gospel of Matthew, right? Mm-hmm. And they read Matthew, they read the genealogy. The, why is the genealogy there? The genealogy is there, not so that you would read every single name, but that you would know this continuation that, that Matthew is trying to show that Jesus is the Son of God, mm-hmm. right? You know, the Son of Adam, the Son of God. So there's, there's this very clear thing of what, what uh, Matthew is trying to do with, with the, um, uh, the genealogy. Mm-hmm. I think Luke's trying to do something here. So mm-hmm. what is he trying to do? I do think that part of the element... There's, there's a lot of similarities when you look at Paul being on trial and you're looking at the Lord Jesus on trial. Mm-hmm. There's not a direct comparison, but when you see in the Gospel of Luke, remember Luke and Acts are written together, Luke is trying to show that Jesus is innocent, right? Mm-hmm. So I think three or four times it says at the end of chapter 23 that innocent, it was innocent, Jesus was declared mm-hmm. innocent. And I think, again, uh, Luke is trying to show that Paul is declared innocent. He's declared innocent by Claudius. He's declared innocent by Felix. He's declared innocent by Festus. Mm-hmm. There is nothing that this man did deserving of death. And I think he's trying to show the Roman authorities that Christianity is not hostile to Rome, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that Christians are not there trying to stir up a, an uprising, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Christians are meant to live for God um, and lay down their lives for the sake of others so that people would come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved eternally. Mm-hmm. Um, and they weren't meant to throw over the, the, the government. Right. So, so I think that there's, a, there's a large part of that Luke is taking the detail to show. Luke, uh, Paul is going before all these different Roman officials and saying the same thing. And each one is saying, Paul did nothing wrong. Paul did nothing wrong. Paul did nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the main emphases that Luke is trying to draw out. So is there something there for us then? If Luke is trying to somewhat show, you know, Paul as an example of a Christian and his impact in the culture, he's innocent and yet he's not, um, what's the word, uh, passive. Yeah. Yeah, I think you can make the, make the case. Again, when you apply narratives to your own lives, you got to be very careful. Right? Yeah. Because, you know, this is a very unique situation, first century B.C., um, we do know that Paul stood for truth, right? So that can be an application we can make today for us. We know that our culture, uh, like the first century, is drifting f- more and more away from the truth as revealed in the text of scriptures. So our culture today is celebrating homosexuality. Um, it's celebrating um, transgenderism and the changing of genders. Um, you know, it's celebrating just gross immorality in general. Um, and, and yet uh, we're called to live in that culture. We're not called to escape it, right? Mm-hmm. So Paul says this in 
First Corinthians, you know, like if we're trying to, you know, leave, get away from sexual morality, we have to leave the world, mm -hmm. right? So we're going to be dealing with this. And yet, I think the unique thing is, is that we're going to be holding on to truth in the midst of a growing secular society that's going to impact our jobs. It's going to impact how we live with the government, yeah. you know, um, what we support, what we don't support. We're going to look more and more marginalized, and we should be okay with that, right? Mm -hmm. We should be okay that if the Lord, uh, under his sovereign uh, plan, decides that the persecution among Christians would increase in the United States, we would be like Paul, that we'd be willing to stand in the face of persecution. Christians have dealt with that for years, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Bunyan was in prison, you know. Adonai Judson was in prison in Burma. I mean, you could just name it, Christians after Christians who have been persecuted because of their faith. But we shouldn't be angry about it, right? We mm. should just try to be faithful. Right? So I think that there's definitely an application that we can make there. Why should we not be angry? Uh, well, we shouldn't be angry because all things happen under God's sovereign plan, right? And he has a purpose in them. Um, and if God wants us to be like Paul, and he wants us to be in prison so that we can testify to God's goodness, God's grace, to people who are in prison, to people who are outside of it, um, then that's his will. You know, I mean, even Paul says, like, you know, in to, to, the, to the church of Philippi, you know, even if I'm if I'm in chains or I'm out defending and confirming the gospel, you share in God's grace with me, mm -hmm. right? So wherever I'm at, I'm going to be preaching Christ. And mm -hmm. so, you know, in Philippians, you know, one twelve, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has served to advance the gospel. Mm -hmm. So Paul's in prison. He's like, what's happened to me has served to advance the gospel. Why Paul is in prison, the leader of the, the Christian movement, so that the government in Rome would look at the Christians favorably and that the gospel would go to the, those highest in authority, mm -hmm. right? Now, we, don't, we are not told by the Lord in the scriptures how Paul's conversations with King Agrippa, Paul's conversations with Felix and Festus, how it affected how they governed. Mm. We don't know that, right? But we can assume that they would probably look more favorably upon Christians after being uh, encountered with Paul, a Christian, mm -hmm. and having a favorable response to him. Yeah. So that's good. That's helpful. Uh, so here, right, as you, we began like 25 through 26, Paul, Agrippa, uh, his case in your introduction, it's very, maybe to help us see what's been happening this whole time. Paul's a one-hit wonder. He's a one-hit wonder. He's got one message. He's there because of the resurrection from the dead. Yep. Anything there for us? Yeah, I mean, I think that, so I've been med meditating on this, on this personally. Like, when people look at my life, right, are they going to know that Dave Keene loved Jesus Christ and hoped in the resurrection from the dead? Or are they going to know Dave Keene loved the Chicago Cubs, mm -hmm. right? Or Dave Keene loved football? You know, like, is my life characterized by a hope in the life that is to come, mm -hmm. right? You know, First Corinthians 15, if, if the resurrection isn't real, we should be pitied more than all men. Why? It's because we're putting everything, all our eggs are in the basket of the resurrection. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, you know, it doesn't mean I think we should sell everything that we have and live in a hut. But I do think that there should be some kind of urgency, uniqueness, sharpness to our lives mm -hmm. that people like, man, these people talk about the resurrection a lot. Mm -hmm. I just don't think that we do, mm -hmm. right? And are we willing to be... Um, Why is that, do you think? Well, I think partly it's because of fear of man, right? We don't want to have people look poorly upon us. Mm -hmm. uh, we like comfort, right? Mm -hmm. um, uh, I think partly maybe because we're too focused on this earthly life and not the life that is to come. Mm -hmm. You know, and we need to lift our eyes to the heavens and realize that this this 
earth, this tent. Mm-hmm. Is that what it is? It's a tent. It's not our permanent home. Right. Um, we, we, we are, we're citizens of heaven. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I think that we just get too comfortable here. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, I heard a, um, a preacher, a uh, FUD, he, yeah. he said once, he goes, the goal of every sermon is to help your people have faith in Jesus. Right? I think we think of that as maybe inner justification. Really, kind of what you're saying there is like, why don't we do it? It's like these reasons. But ultimately, it comes down from a lack of faith. And your goal is just have more faith. That's kind of sanctification, right? Is to continue just yeah. hearing God's word. Faith comes from hearing. All right, I want to believe. Yeah. So I was in a conversation this week with someone who's dealing with anxiety, mm-hmm. depression, which is a very common thing in our culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I was saying, hey, listen, I think um, you know what happens with people who are dealing with anxiety and depression, they look at their life and they start getting hopeless because they think, man, my circumstances are never gonna change. Mm. I'm always gonna be lonely. I'm never gonna be able to beat this particular sin. Mm. And it tends to weigh us down. And I just look, have to look at them and say, okay, you're not looking far enough in the future. Right? You, you, you have fear of what's coming, mm-hmm. but you're not looking far enough. Because if you look yeah. far enough into the future, you're not going to think about the bad things that are gonna happen in this life, but you're gonna look beyond the grave mm-hmm. to glory. Right, yeah. that the worst thing that ever happened to you was was your your sin and your death, and God has said He's given you victory over that. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that we need to have faith and believe in the resurrection. So, so can I? Am I willing to give my money because I believe in the resurrection? Mm-hmm. This, this is I don't need to hold on to my money here because God's got me. Right, life treasure not on earth, but in heaven. Yeah, yeah. There's so many applications when you start thinking about I'm actually going to live for the resurrection. You know what? I can forgive someone who's hurt me. Why? Because I believe in the resurrection. Mm-hmm. You know, I can I can trust that even though something bad happened to me, that God will be my avenger. Mm-hmm. Right? He'll 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 take care of it in the last day. Yeah, I think yeah. it's um, John Newton who had the uh, his sermon illustration of the resurrection that we were going to receive an inheritance one day. He said it's like a, a man in a carriage. You know, it's, he's older, so they're in a carriage, right? Yeah. He's, he's, he's on his way to New York City to receive his billion dollar inheritance. And he says a mile outside the city, the wheel breaks off the carriage and he has to walk the rest of the way. He goes, what a fool that man would be to rubbing his hands the whole time. My carriage is broken, my carriage is broken. He's like, man, look what he's about to have. The inheritance is waiting for him. Oh yeah. And that's, that's what I was thinking about as you were just saying, like, why can we do these things? Oh yeah, the resurrection, it's coming. Yeah, so like, we're, we should be willing to like sacrifice all, right? Mm-hmm. It helps us overcome uh, persecution and mm-hmm. suffering it gives us hope why because there is there is so much glory that is to be revealed mm-hmm. uh, a, a friend texted me um, yesterday uh, Romans 8 18 right um, that the the, tr- the these light actually you think about first Corinthians 4 these light mm-hmm. and momentary afflictions are preparing for us a weight of glory mm-hmm. that's first Corinthians 4 I was thinking Romans 8 18 mm-hmm. you know these trials pale in comparison to the glory that's going to be revealed yeah. It's the same principle, mm-hmm. you know, like, listen. Same author. Yeah, same author. So here's here's what the evil one wants to do. The evil one wants to do is want, wants to make you think that life is really hard and difficult mm-hmm. and no one understands that you're, like, life is just against you. When God says, listen, we all live in the fallen world, things mm-hmm. are tough, but I promise you glory, right? Focus mm-hmm. on the glory that is to come and not the, the trials of this life. It doesn't mean the trials of this life are bad mm-hmm. and difficult. They are. I mean, I went to a funeral this past week of, of a, a four-year-old that died, right? Mm-hmm. That's a that's an incredibly difficult trial, mm-hmm. but that family would be able to testify that we had this trial so that we would long for heaven, mm-hmm. that we would hope in heaven, you know. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, so he continues on where it was talk, and uh, Paul gives his defense, and his defense is really once again 
his testimony. Mm -hmm. Is there anything new here for us to see? Because this is once he's already given us his testimony. Yeah, it's it's the, it's the same testimony. The only thing that he adds is in verse um, uh, 14. 14. And when he falls to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Right, so that's a new new introduction. So the, a goad is you know, kind of how you move a like a like the big of a, um, uh, a stick, mule. yeah, a horse mule, a stick, which you kind of force them to go a particular direction. God was saying, "Listen, don't kick against me. I'm trying to force you to go in a particular direction. Mm -hmm. Do what you what I do not you know, be obedient to the vision that God's given you." Mm -hmm. Which is why He says in verse 19, "I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Right, mm -hmm. I did not kick against the goads." And I think that a lot of us. You know, we could probably say God has given us things that he wants us to do. He's given us a vision. It may not be a, a Damascus Road type vision, but he's given us very clear things that he's calling us to do. And yet we are resisting, right? Mm -hmm. We have been given the vision by God, and yet we are resisting. We're kicking against the goads. We're, mm -hmm. we're fighting the bit and bridle, right? He's, he's, we're, we're, strained, we're, not, we're being restrained um, from obedience. Mm -hmm. And rather than, like, let's put on a muscle, let's put on the, the bridle, let's go the way the Lord wants us to go. Mm -hmm. um, I think that could be applied to a lot of us in, in many different different ways. Yeah, I say, I mean, individually, but I was, my, th my thought was, right, today's November 1st, uh, year's coming to a close. There's something there, like, reflecting and just looking at church. Is there a way that you see the Lord directing the church? Yeah, yeah. So, I'm so encouraged this past week. So I think that we've been, we've been talking for about a month now about, hey, maybe our church needs to grow in its its depth of community. Mm -hmm. People have maybe shared that September, October, maybe mm -hmm. that we're not loving and caring for each other as well. And then I've shared that with the church, shared it on a, a new members a members meeting. Um, my goodness, I feel like the church has really responded. Mm -hmm. People are reaching out to each other. I've gotten three or four texts from different people saying, hey, can you tell me who... What are the three or four people who are lonely mm. that I can reach out to? Hey, hey, I want to increase my hospitality. Is there anyone I can invite over? Mm. Um, you know, the seniors being welcomed so graciously by um, our, our church. Like, man, I think the church has gotten it. It's mm. been super encouraging, yeah. you know? So, um, you know, I, I think maybe it's just a reminder to me is just to, that we need to continue to have our eyes as a shepherd, as shepherds and the elders, what's God doing in life of the church and if there are things that we see that are deficient, just to tell the church. Yeah. And because they have the Holy Spirit, because mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit wants to press upon them to do what is right, mm -hmm. they'll follow yeah. this leading. So so I think I'm grateful that the church right now is not disobedient to the heavenly vision, mm -hmm. right? That we want to be a church that loves each other in such a unique mm -hmm. resurrection-like way that we have empty tomb affections for one another mm -hmm. that the world just doesn't make sense to the world. Yeah. Um, and we're willing to sacrifice our money and our time for for the gospel, for mm -hmm. his glory, right? whether that's to to share with people within our own body or to mm -hmm. give to the nations, right? So, yeah, I would just, you know, largely maybe a, a month ago, I was maybe saw some discouragement rising in me when I saw the body. But my goodness, just sharing with the church, the, the church has responded. Mm -hmm. uh, would you say anything? Would you say anything to the church that would have for us now? Yeah, I mean, I was just... I, mean, I, I agree with you. I, I think that's kind of I feel like that's where the Lord is pushing us is to deeper community, deeper relationships. And I think we are, like you said, I think the church is responding well. And I'm just kind of encouraged of like, what would this look like in six months if we continue, you know, diving deeper in relationships? And because you, you don't want it just to be 
certain things that happen, but you want that culture, right? You want that to be the air that we breathe is uh, not just a, a, you know, hey, hello, but like the hospitality, inviting people homes and uh, sharing what's on people's hearts and bearing one of those burdens. And so uh, I think it's those things, right, from are from God because they're timeless, right? That, That will never go away. That need will never go away. Um, it's, it's from God, and so I think that's always kind of encouraging that that's not a wasted time yeah. to, to dive there. I'm reading a book right now, When the Church Was a Family. I'm rereading it by Joseph Hellerman, and he, he, he makes the argument, which I think is right, that salvation is a community-forming event, hmm. right? That we are not called, we as individual Westerners think about God has saved me, mm-hmm. but really the, the Scriptures is God is saving me to be part of a family, mm-hmm. to be part of a community. Yeah. Um, and I, 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 this, these, these two things that have been kind of wrestling with me the last mm-hmm. couple of months. Okay, we need to be a strong community that reaches the lost, yeah. right? So I think that, you know, we want to reach the lost all over the world, but it, in our own local town. So mm-hmm. how, how do we live in deep fellowship, community with one another, and yet at the same time invite people to be part of that community? Mm-hmm. That's the evangelism piece, right? Yeah. So like, you know, I think sometimes even in my, in my thinking, I'm, I'm talking more about evangelism, therefore we're focusing on that and not f- focusing on one another. We're talking more about community and therefore we're not focusing on evangelism. Mm-hmm. But actually I think they're, they're, they're together, mm-hmm. right? They should be wed together. Like, no, we are a, a redeemed people uh, who are called to be zealous for good works when we, by inviting people mm-hmm. who are far from God to be part of our community. Yeah. You know, there's something about our salvation by faith that is not merely individual, but communal. Yeah, that's good. I think I've made it, really we're saying that, like, that dilemma of like outward or inward, really it's the gospel answers both. It's like Christ came to take those who are far and to bring them in. That's the, the heart of God. And so it's, yeah, that's, that's good. Uh, anything else here for us as we uh, close? I, I do have something here. You, you, you told us not to be unique. Yeah. <laughs> That's so, not your uh, normal advice you hear. You know, from yeah, so here's the thing. Like, don't be special. <laughs> yeah, don't be special, right? I think there's such... this. I've probably been thinking a lot about this idea of individualism, right? Mm-hmm. And our culture just wants us to kind of highlight the self, being individual, so what makes me special? What makes mm-hmm. me unique? What makes us unique is our is our Savior, yeah. Jesus Christ, the one who was the God Man who died and, mm-hmm. lived and, and lived again, you know. So and lives again. So I, I think there's there's an element like we want to. I, I've I've seen this even in like a, in how we talk about our church. Mm-hmm. Look at how special our church is. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying as much as we do that, but I just think I see people in general. Just mm-hmm. Look at how special our church is. Look mm-hmm. at what we are doing in our church, rather than just. Don't like yes, God's doing great things. We don't want to like diminish mm-hmm. how He's moving by His Spirit. It should be you know? we. It should be He. It should yeah, be more, like, like He's look, good. Look how kind He's been. Yeah, uh, God is good. He's doing all this in, in our body, and mm-hmm. you know, and like we're not trying to say look at how much better we are than other bodies and other churches yeah. and other people. Like no, we just want to rejoice in, in how great God is and who He right. is for how much He loves sinners like us, um, and like. We'll be happy that God is doing a wonderful work in our church, mm-hmm. but we want the work that we see God doing in our church to happen in every church in our town, right? right? So, like, we want all churches to be gospel, you know, driven mm-hmm. and missional and you know, sacrificial in their love for one another and right. bold in their evangelism. Like, we don't want to be unique in in like from other churches. Mm-hmm. We just want to be a faithful church. 
Yeah. We want other churches to be faithful. So that's like, I think that's where I was trying to get at. And obviously, what what would Paul say? He had the same message, mm-hmm. right? You know, we believe that God said from eternity past he's going to send his 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 the Savior, the Messiah, to suffer and to rise again, and then his mm-hmm. the gospel of forgiveness will be proclaimed to all all nations. Like that's who we're about. And if you're doing that as another church, well, we want to praise God in that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's good. I I, I think that's helpful, right? It reminds me of the. Um... Uh, what is it? The uh, Pharisee and the tax collector. The Pharisee had good theology. He, you know, he, thank you, God, for not doing these things and for doing these things. He accredited God for everything, and yet it was the other man who went down justified because he wasn't looking inward. He was only looking outward. He was looking to God for help and for everything he has. And I can be careful, right? As you give God praise for things you've done or for things He's done in us, our eyes can turn to then turn inward at us and that becomes our focus. Well, yeah, I think, you know, even like the, the, the Pharisees in that parable, it's like, you know, thank God for this. But where he turned is thank God that I'm not like others. Yeah. Right? Like I'm better than others. Mm-hmm. Like there's this prideful spirit there. Yeah. But it came from God. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, and I struggle with that. Like I've, I mean, I've shared this with the church. How do we have a humble, gracious spirit as a church and yet care deeply about, about church life and convictions? Right? Mm-hmm. We want churches to become healthier. Right? Yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. We also don't want to be arrogant about it, yeah. right? I think there's maybe an element that we are yeah. sometimes. I'm not saying this this is characteristic of our body, but I think we have to be careful of it. Right? Churches that really love doctrine mm-hmm. sometimes can love doctrine so much that we're not loving people, right? You know, which I think is obviously what not what we see in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but again, why is this passage there? I think this passage is, is there in general uh, to show that Jesus Christ suffered, died. And rose again, mm-hmm. and that should be the anchor of our hope. It was the anchor mm-hmm. of Paul's hope. It was the anchor of the hope of the Christian church, mm-hmm. and we should hold on to that. Yeah, with all these things we're talking about, it seems to be if you would, if we just help set our eyes more on just God and the gospel, the rest kind of fall in place naturally. So, yep, yep. yeah, that's good. Any, any other closing thoughts for us? Uh, nope, that's all I got. Amen. Would you pray us up? Yep, uh, Father, we thank you so much for your word. That just reminds us of the the centrality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead um, in our lives. We pray, God, that we would just understand that and that we would really live that this world is not our home. And that because of that, we would have joy. We'd have sacrificial giving. We'd have uh, sacrificial love. um, That we would have um, people view us as people whose whose hope is is in the life that is to come. Oh, God, we, we pray that you would give us an eternal hope that you've promised us in Christ. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.